it never dawned on me that those things require electricity. Right? I mean, I mean, I just I never thought about plugging in a urinal. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog, episode 22 for Friday, September 4th, 2015. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week is Gadget Week. On today's show, we'll talk about a pen that allows you to draw in 3D, an input surface that can morph into pretty much anything you like, and a solar-powered electrical adapter that you can plug anything into. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Hello. Hello. It's Gadget Week. Yes. Very exciting. It's a, a nice return to the three gadgets per week format from the all echo all the time. <laughs> echo. 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 So sh- let's see. Shall we jump right into it? I'm pretty excited to hear about this uh, pen. Okay. Yeah. It's called, it's on Kickstarter right now. It's called the 3Dissimo. And it is a, a 3D pen, among other things, which I will go into momentarily. And um, so a 3D pen is a pen that extrudes 3D filament like you would in a, you would do in a larger 3D printer. And it essentially lets you draw in three dimensions. Hmm. Kind of like a glue gun almost. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar to a glue gun. Um, They're not new. They've been around for a while. Most of them kind of suck. But this is actually the the second version. This company does have a larger version of this sort of 3D pen on the market. And they're getting a lot of backers for this version. So I'm thinking maybe maybe this is one of the good ones. Mm. So what does it look like? I mean, is it shaped like a traditional pen? Uh, kind of. It's, it's shaped like, um, picture like, you know, those, you know, those flat highlighters, like the highlighter markers that are flat. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like that, except the, the, it looks like it's maybe an inch and a half wide. Okay. And then does it have like a spool of stuff that goes into it or like, how does it, what's the cartridge? Um, it looks like you would feed it from the back of the pen. Gotcha feed the filament in from the back of the pen. So you would presumably have either just a, a shorter piece stuck in the back or, or if you want to do it from a longer spool, you would just have your spool sitting on your desk. Mm. And so kind of like it, it kind of, that sounds like almost like a soldering iron with this, with the, the solder, like running through it instead of you having to hold it with your other hand, which yeah. would actually be kind of cool. Yeah, it is. And, and actually that brings up, the fact that the pin does have some additional features in addition to being this this 3D filament extruder. It has a couple of interchangeable tips you can take out, and one of them is a wood-burning tip, and the other one is a – actually, it is a soldering tip. Of course, there's, there's, no, there's no feeding of solder through it or anything. It just changes to – just to turn it into – use it as a regular soldering iron. Oh, cool. So you could do – that's very multi, multi-purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, it's a really good idea because basically 3D pins are they're they're things that they get hot on the end, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> why not put a different tip on it? So I could imagine like a maker type person would be able to with this one pen and a spool of of filament make like you know take like a, a circuit board, solder some stuff together, maybe make a little. Um, Little case, a little case for it, or or secure it inside of a wooden case, and then burn their name right on the cover of the wooden cigar box or whatever. Label your inputs. Now, did they have um, uh, examples of like like ideal use cases for it? You know, the video had people doing uh, various 
like creating various little 3D doodles type 3D little th- little pieces of 3D artwork and, and that sort of thing. And then they had a guy crafting doing some wood burning and, and a person doing some um, soldering on a little circuit board. And, and you know, they had a they had a couple of things at the end that were like here's this little airplane I've printed and on it is this circuit board where I've soldered on these LEDs and it lights up and, and that that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, I could see, honestly, I see this as almost, like you said, a crafting tool. Like Erica mm-hmm. might really dig this for uh, doing stuff with the kids. Probably, it's probably too dangerous for a kid to use, but she could certainly uh, do craft projects with them where they make, you know, sort of like the modern day shrinky danks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to, I think I'll probably get one and give it a try. Um, I think Kira would probably have fun using it. Yeah. She's, she's at the age where she could use it safely. Cool. And, um, and it, no, it got funded or is it still, they had a $35,000 goal. They're currently at $85,000 and there's 38 days left on the Kickstarter. Wow. So they are, so this is a popular thing. Yeah. People want this hmm. and their expected delivery date is March of next year. Wild. So it's a little ways out, but uh, and the price point right now, you can get one for $89. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's definitely worth the wait and it's worth the wait for the price if this ends up being one of the better 3D printing pens. Either way, you're getting a wood burner and a soldering iron out of it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So Both of which you can pick up for about 15 bucks, but hey. <laughs> yeah, it has like different things on here like fixing yeah. your glasses and soldering electronics and pipes mm-hmm. or mosaic glass stuff or jewelry. Jewelry is a really good one. Yeah, that is a that's a really good one. And another thing these 3D 3D pens are good for and even even some of the the poor quality ones are good for this is if you do have a larger 3D printer that you're using to print things, then these little pens are great for making repairs. Yeah, it has this it says here plastic welding. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And also does this weird foam cutting thing where it has this very strange looking tip that you apparently can use to uh, cut foam. Yeah, I think the, I'm not sure if the cutting tip was part of the original Kickstarter. It may be a stretch goal that's been added now, but they, gotcha. there, there was some talk on there of a cutting tip as well. And I imagine by cutting, it just melts through. Right. That's what it looks like. <laughs> actually, I actually had to do that the other day. I needed to, um, needed to cut through some plastic because I wanted a, a cleaner edge on something. And I didn't have, like, I, I don't have a soldering iron here at the house or, and I wouldn't want to use a soldering iron anyway because I don't want to mess up the tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I, I sat there with an X-Acto knife and a candle. It's like heat, heat up the blade, melt my way through the plastic for a bit, heat the blade some more. Wow. Yeah, it, it took forever. <laughs> Jeez. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I would, for, I would love something like this. For under 100 bucks, yeah. be, be one under every Christmas tree next year, I'm sure. <laughs> Let's talk about another creative tool. Okay. Which is called the Sensil Morph. The company is called Sensil, and the product is called Morph. And it's a pressure-sensitive multi-touch input device. It does really—it sort of looks like a big touchpad, like from a laptop mm-hmm. uh, or maybe a Wacom tablet or Wacom tablet. So it's—it's it's a new kind of input device for whatever. Um, you, you just <laughs> attach it to an iPad or to a computer, and uh, it's really good at spotting wherever your whatever's touching it is and and how much pressure is being applied yeah and the pressure thing is actually pretty uh pretty important for tons of applications particularly art and music 
that was my first thought was using this for for drawing or and I think you immediately jumped to music. Yeah. Well, so here's the crazy thing about it that makes it I think really different than a than a touchpad, which is that it's uh it looks like it's almost the exact same dimensions as a big iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh so you get a sense, so, you know, so the the terrifying listener will have a picture of how big it is. So you can easily fit um certainly your one hand on it and even even two hands maybe pushed kind of close together uh, computer typing style. But so the really cool thing about it is it's got this magnet across one of the longer edges that allows you to uh, put these sort of look, they look like rubber overlays on it that each overlay is associated with uh, a particular application that you could write yourself or, or, you know, buy that sort of transforms it into whatever the application is. So in some of the examples, they've got a, uh, an actual keyboard. So you could use, you could slap the keyboard thing on there. And then the, the morph senses that the QWERTY keyboard f- attachment is on there. So it is going to send out information, um, appropriately. So if you touch the J key on the pad, then it knows underneath. It's like, oh, they've got the, they've got the QWERTY keyboard on here. So that I'm going to send a J to the application. Interesting. Yeah. I, the, um, so the, the touchpad senses the overlay that's on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I was I was under the impression that you could write these programs to use it, and then the overlay was basically just to act as a visual guide for the user. Yeah, no, it it uh, it knows which one's on it. Okay, yeah, presum- presumably there's some sort of SDK for it that you would create your different applications. It's actually that's really cool. That's that's way cooler than I thought. Yeah, you can use various overlays, all which are automatically detected for each supported use case. Overlays are optional physical apps made of thin, flexible layer that you can place over the device to provide a visual map and tactile feedback for each mode's unique functionality. Do you do the programming on the overlays? Like, is it pro? Is it like is it stored somewhere in the overlay? My assumption was that it's program programmed into the device itself, into the the morph. Mm-hmm. And each overlay has like an ID. So you'd say when this when this overlay is on there, use this program that I wrote. And when you know when this one's on there, use that program that I wrote. Yeah, you would you would think so. Uh, so so once you have the thing programmed, you can either connect it to your computer via uh, USB or to a tablet with Bluetooth mm-hmm. low energy, or there's even a dev cable you can attach to an Arduino. So it's oh, cool. super customizable, and you just like. You know, if you've ever had one of those magnetic uh, uh, iPad covers, mm-hmm. it looks very much like that. The the overlays, you just throw it on there. It snaps into place right where it's supposed to go. Uh, the thing lights up for a second to tell you that it recognized the thing. And you can just go to town. So for any kind of artist, I think this is really cool because it's kind of like switching palettes between, you know, maybe you're doing, I don't know, fine stuff with a pencil or you're doing like brushwork. And so as an example, there's one that's, uh, one that's for like a painting type of application where the top left hand corner is this kind of, uh, it looks like almost a, a pick your, a pick your tip type of <laughs> interface, uh, uh, or maybe it's a color picker or something like that. It's got this little area on the, on the top left hand corner that's got, you know, maybe seven buttons. And so you can mm-hmm. press a couple of those, assign them to do certain things, like maybe increase the size of the, uh, well, you wouldn't need to increase the size of the brush because you use an actual brush. Yeah. 
uh, but probably say change color or something like that. So you could change your colors around or maybe a blur mode or something like that. And then you just brush on the tablet and it's, mm -hmm. it's sensitive enough to actually even get bristles from a, a nice paintbrush. That's, that's cool. Yeah. But I mean, you can throw a piano keyboard on there. You can throw a drum machine on there. So, you know, like thinking back to thinking back to like my music days, I, this would be so cool. Like I guarantee you're going to see something like this at, uh, you know, at live shows where people are, are, have to switch between different kinds of drum machines or different kinds of synths. Uh, or maybe they have a couple of different ones with different overlays on, you know, dedicated to them. I was, I was just thinking of that, that it'd be a good, good for a drum kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that's really interesting. I've been, I've been thinking for, you know, a couple of years that with the mobile kind of topping out, kind of plateauing in terms of innovation, uh, the, the changes that we'd see, all the really cool stuff we would see would be happening in input output devices. And this definitely falls into the category of a really cool new kind of input. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. And that is, let me see, it is way funded. Um, they were looking to get, uh, $60,000 mm -hmm. and they have 306000 and 35 days to go. Oh, wow. So people want this. People want that too. Mm-hmm. So that is the Sensil Morph. You can, you can draw yourself a little stand for it. and <laughs> Yes. And if you want to be a good eco-citizen, you can plug the whole thing into a sun port. Oh, nice segue there. Thank you. Plug it into the sun port when you need to charge it. Yes, and uh, and then be charging it with pure, clean, renewable solar energy. <laughs> <laughs> so sun port is another Kickstarter, another gadget. Mm -hmm. And it looks, I mean, the easiest thing to picture is one of those three-prong adapters, at least if you're in the U.S. Um, you know, so you've got your, you've got your <laughs> wall outlet and you've got a three-prong adapter just stick in there. Yeah, and yeah. Now, why you're laughing at me? I'm I'm laughing. I'm thinking that for people outside the U.S., we should be sure and give the dimension than inches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I th it's a good question, actually. I think this is U.S. only, but uh, so apologies to the non-U.S. people. But so yeah, so this thing it's a little, you know, it's a little adapter, wall adapter for your outlets, and. So this is really hard to get your head around and they don't make it any easier uh, with their marketing. No, no, their, their marketing doesn't explain much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're a little, they're a little excited about it and they didn't do a great job explaining how it actually works. Cause my impression was that somehow this thing gathered solar energy and stored it and, or something. That was my first thought. And then like, wait, no, it doesn't do that. How could it do that? Right. So, yeah. And, and the, the energy that goes into the power grid is totally undifferentiated. Like once it's on the grid, right. you don't know if it came from coal or solar or wind or natural gas. You have no idea. It's just a right. big blob of juice. So when you plug into the wall, you don't know if you're getting solar or you're getting coal normally or well ever. I think at that point there is no distinction between. Yeah. It's just electrons moving. Uh, the thing about solar is that the government has, the U.S. government has put incentives in place to make it affordable to build solar farms and wind farms and other kinds of renewable energy sources. Yeah, I was looking this morning, there's all kinds of tax credits and, and whatnot for it. Mm. It's, it's weird how it works. I'll just quickly talk about it, which is that if you generate solar power, you also get this thing called an SREC, which is a solar renewable energy credit, and you can sell them. 
It's like mining bitcoins. It's just like that. Yeah. It's like you do this work, you know, you put in these solar panels or whatever, you make this investment. And as you generate power, not only are you powering perhaps your own stuff in perhaps getting paid because your energy is going onto the grid if you're not using it all, but you also get these credits. So it's almost like you get paid twice because you didn't have to buy the electricity that you would have used if you put solar panels on your house and you get these credits. What the plug does is it allows you to meter your energy through whatever's plugged into it. So let's say I threw one in my bag and I just used it with my laptop. So everywhere I went, whenever I plugged in my laptop, I first plugged it into this little yellow sun port thing and then I plug it into the wall and, it, and the little logo lights up and it's very, uh, it's very cool looking. <laughs> So you would do that and uh, it Bluetooths to your phone and it tracks how much energy goes through it. So at a certain point, once you hit like a certain level, it's almost like a fitness tracker for your energy usage. You buy what's called, you basically buy a portion of an SREC because SRECs are actually, I think you get one X SREC per megawatt hour or it's something like 1, that. 1,000 kilowatt hours. Yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but you, you're not going to use that much on your laptop uh, in one shot. So they broke it down into this thing. The Sunport people broke it down into this thing called Sun Jewels, where the central company buys these SRECs and then uh, you buy like little pieces of them. So, so to make a long story short, what you're doing is tracking your energy usage, which is undifferentiated electrons, which could most likely were made by coal or some other non-renewable source just because the percentage of the overall power generation in the U.S. is largely balanced that way. So chances are you're getting dirty energy, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it. But what you do is when you when you track how much you're using, that money goes straight back to people who created sol the solar. So it creates an incentive for them to build more solar because they're kind of like getting the money that you would have spent with the regular undifferentiated blob of juice. Yeah, this is not going to save you any money by using solar power. Correct. If you're getting this thing to save money, it's not going to do it. Correct. The The whole point of it is to create ways to incentivize other companies to produce more solar power. Exactly. So the more people that buy SRECs, the more money there is for people to install solar panels. Um, it's a cool little thing. And it's like it's kind of like buying organic or buying local. You're paying a little bit more, but you're you're offsetting. You really are offsetting your electricity slash carbon footprint for whatever the thing is that you're powering with it. So and it just makes it super easy. Like you could do this anyway. You could just buy SRECs. Yeah, but this just takes the the thinking out of it. Yeah, and it doesn't, I don't want to say gamifies it, but it, it gives you like instant feedback and you're like instantly like, oh, cool. You know, I bought this much solar today and I didn't use any, or I didn't, I didn't reward any coal producers today. Right. It has this, it has this feel good element to it. It makes that whole process of, of buying and using the SRX, it makes it a lot more tangible because you can say, I use this much energy or save this much money with my lamp or with my laptop. It, it makes it makes it more tangible in, in that sense, I think. Yep, exactly. And I think they were smart to make it a cute little brightly colored piece of candy looking thing that lights up because people are going to ask you about it and you're going to, and then you're going to have the conversation that we just had. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I don't want to reward coal. You know, you can, you can put your, your tree hugger hat on and be like, Oh, well, I don't want to reward coal company co companies for generating dirty energy. So I meter my usage and send the money to solar people. 
it's wild. It's this weird out of band financial mm-hmm. system that uh, incentivizes more renewable energy. Yeah. It's funny when you think about it, I've, I've joked in the past about, um, it's great that we have wireless data now, but it, what I really want is wireless energy, <laughs> but that's what solar is. <laughs> that's it's what like, solar is. It's wireless energy. I went into a, uh, a men's room in an airport recently and there were, you know, the auto flush mechanisms on, on mm-hmm. public toilets. I'm sure it's a very small amount of energy that it takes to flush one urinal. It never dawned on me that those things require electricity. Right? I mean, I, mean, I just I never thought about plugging in a urinal. You know? Right, right. <laughs> and so here's the thing. It's probably, so I went in and they, I, in this particular airport, I think it's even our local airport, TF Green, they have little solar panels on top of each one. And I'm like, oh, check that out. Because if it only needs a tiny little bit of energy inside the, the toilet. Then it can get it from the ambient light. Right. Then you don't have to, I mean, you don't have to wire them. You don't have to wire them to anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, it doesn't have to be sunlight. It can just be light. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, no way. These are w- like wirelessly powered toilets. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. <laughs> These Johns are off the grid. Yeah. I wonder if the... I started to say, I wonder if the toilets on the International Space Station are solar powered, but everything on the International Space Station is solar powered. So. All right. There you go. <laughs> hence those big honking wings. Yeah. Hence those those huge solar panels. So there you go. You can you have your space urinal here on Earth. <laughs> Excellent. Good thing we still have gravity, though. That would complicate the design. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So... Um, I think that's everything on Sunport. Was it funded? Yes, it was um, very much funded. Uh, well, not not insane like some of the other ones we saw, but uh, mm-hmm. they they greatly exceeded their goal almost by hundred percent. I just I just hope a lot of the people that bought it aren't confused about how it works because it really wasn't explained well in the Kickstarter. Yeah, they did a terrible job explaining it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping people aren't buying it thinking they're going to save money. Right. Totally not what it does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like buying organic. Yeah, it's you're supporting a good cause. Right. Makes it easy, makes it easy to talk about, just sort of pulls it into the public consciousness and allows everybody to do a little bit to Yeah, which do there's, the right there's thing. a lot to be said for that. We need more of we need more things like that happening. Mm-hmm. It's very automatic, it's very easy. Uh, it's it's a good conversation starter. It's great. Yep. So Sunport on Kickstarter. That's probably a good place to leave it. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaper. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.